And it was a big decision. It's one that I thought about. Colin and I talked it over for a really long time. Just you and Colin? Just- <laughs> it was Amy Amy's been part of this conversation. <laughs> like, I've heard about this for months. Years. Yeah. I mean, it really has been. It's not something that we took lightly. It's not something that just one day I woke up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a change today because these are the types of decisions that they do impact your life. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we're going to talk about transitions. When we asked you, the listeners, what you guys wanted more of, this is one that came in over and over. And we get it. Like Transitions are challenging, and sometimes they can seem daunting. But they can also serve you in such a good way, and they can help you get closer to the person that you want to become. So in this episode, we're going to talk through some of the biggest transitions that Abby and I have been through in hopes to help you guys navigate the ones that you are going through or that you want to go through. So first, we thought we'd start off with talking about a transition that many of us have been through, and that is the one to become a mother. And in those first few weeks and months when you find out that you're pregnant, like that's already a transition. Like right away, you become a mom as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test or even as soon as you start really trying to conceive. Like I I was already having those feelings of what will my baby look like and how will we bring, bring him or her up and having those conversations with Colin. It changed our perspective on what our life was gonna look like. And then when Lucy came into the world, Lucy was our first, so many things changed. Like you can't go to restaurants whenever you want to. You can't go to movies whenever you want to. I think that was probably the biggest transition of, whoa, we have to figure out childcare if we want to do any of the things as a couple outside of the house that don't require a baby. But what I really want to go into is transitioning by adding more kids. Owen is seven months old at the time of this recording when this episode comes out. He's our third kid that we brought into the mix. And with every single kid, it's brought on a new transition. So you can definitely love all of your children. I think we all can say somehow your heart doubles in size, like there's all those fancy sayings, whatever they are, but your time also gets divided. Yeah. So I just want to be real with that one. You you only have so many hours in a day. And if you keep on adding more kids, it's harder to be one-on-one as detailed with every single one of them as you are when it's just one child, for instance. And knowing that some things are going to be dropped altogether. So things like a perfect house, really, really being tidy, perfect meals, those things definitely have dropped more and more as we've added more kids to the mix. And I just feel like sometimes it's about surviving. Like we think about thriving in these roles, but sometimes it's about surviving. And in any type of transition, especially with adding more kids, this is a time to do just what needs to be done. Also thinking about like adding more kids, every single child is different. Mm -hmm. Like sure, you've been a mom before. Yes, you've been a parent before. Maybe you've even gone from that one to two kids to two to three to five to six, whatever number you're on, but you've never had this child. 
And every single one of our children are unique. Their coping skills are different. Knowing what's worked for one kid can be totally different than what works for another kid. We're running into this right now with Micah. He's a three-nager of sorts. And he, at first I was treating him just like I did with Lucy. So when Lucy gets really upset, she wants to be away, alone, by herself, and then she'll come back to us when she's ready. So with Micah, I kind of gave him his space. When he got upset, I left him alone, gave him his space because that's what worked really well for Lucy. But what I'm figuring out is that Micah wants to be scooped up, held, coddled, and being told that someone loves him the very, very second that he gets upset. So we definitely learned the hard way. And now we're readopting as we figure out these things. Yeah, I think when people are, you know, on their first kid, on their second kid, you're always looking to the mom that has one more than you. And you're thinking like, how is she doing that? But what you realize when you're doing it yourself is that there are just certain sacrifices or, you know, methods that you come up with to adapt to your family size. But most women were wondering that, like, Mm -hmm. as they Mm -hmm. went. And that's why I like to bring that up because I think we can get into that comparison. Like, what do I have one child? Like, why yeah, am I overwhelmed? Two kids, yeah. right, right. And it's like, I, during this part, wanted to talk about what a tough time I had transitioning into motherhood when Max joined us, our first child. I know I've spoken about this in the past, but it was a very hard transition for me. I felt like I needed to give every spare second of my time to Max, especially because I was a working mom from the start. I plunged into mom guilt and the way that I was living just was not going to be sustainable for me or my family because my mental health was suffering so much. You know, I've never really had a problem with anxiety, but when I was a first-time mom, I did. Like I was anxious to leave the house. I wanted to get home as soon as I could. I wasn't taking time for just myself. I felt like going on a date was like I I would be at the date with Drew and thinking about Max or like thinking about how fast I could get home. Like Drew would be like, do you want another drink? And I was like, no, I'm good. Like not because I didn't actually want one, but because I wanted to get home. Mm -hmm. So as we talked about with Chastity Holcomb in episode 67, the imprints of how we are raised or how society teaches us what a good mom is run really deep. And I think that's the reason why the transition into motherhood was such a hard one for me. It was like a cannonball into motherhood. We learn as we grow I learned that what I was doing didn't work. So that's one thing I think I could pay forward to other moms is to kind of really sit down and assess like, is this version of motherhood working for me? Because if it isn't, there are things that you can do to try to change it. So I didn't sit in that feeling for that long. Like I knew that I didn't feel myself and I was lucky that I had the coping skills and that I was able to work with Drew who could see it. Like <laughs> Drew the whole time was like, Amy, this is not like it just wasn't you. Yeah. Like, it wasn't you. So what I did is I knew that I had to start taking some time for myself. And that's why we're such big proponents of that. To be clear, small changes aren't always going to help. 
like you might need to work with a professional therapist, something like that. So we're not underscoring that postpartum anxiety can always be something that you can deal with on your own. But I'm saying for me, I was like, I have to start doing the things that make me me. And that is I really like to work out. I had to keep practicing going on dates with Drew. Like I didn't want to stop that. I knew I didn't want to stop that. So I tried to keep doing it. And eventually I was able to be more fully present at those dates. I had to grow into motherhood. I'll never forget the first time that Max had a fever and I was like in a panic, even though I was a nurse. I wasn't a nurse to little kids. Like it was just a completely new experience. So this is all just to say that sometimes a transition like this, like the one into motherhood, takes time. Like you have to practice. You have to learn how to be yourself inside this new role that does take up a lot of your life in the beginning. Like the the demands of a newborn can take you away from yourself for a while. That happened to a lot of us. And that's not bad. Like that's what the job takes. But then the idea of women being able to come back to themselves sooner rather than later is something that's really important to me because now leading this community, what we can see is for some women, this putting themselves on the back burner has lasted years. And so now they're like completely depleted. And, you know, how do we make sure that women don't get there, I think is, is something that we're passionate about. And you brought up that word practice. This also takes practice. So how you practice going on dates with Drew, it gets easier and easier as you did that. And the putting yourself on the back burner, if you keep practicing that, that will get easier and easier. So we do have to just flip it and say, "I, I need to put myself first once in a while. It is not selfish. And- we all know this. Like we've yeah. been saying this over and over again on the podcast. We hear it from the people that we follow on Instagram. We hear it from the people that we read in their books. But that practice can go either way. And that practice over time can lead to some really big transitions. Yeah. And we're here to make it really tangible. Like it is, I would go on 15 minute walks with a podcast by myself. And that was my early practice of like, adding in time to move my body, which is really important to me. So like first, just try. I think that women right now are very overwhelmed. So when they listen to a podcast and they're like, make some time for yourself, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I have no time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's these little things that really add up. And what I really love is once women start practicing this, they see that it's proven, it's helpful And they can go on a path of like, okay, I'm ready for that half hour or I'm ready to go to that yoga class. Mm -hmm. So if your transition to motherhood is hard or your transition to adding another kid is hard, we have been through that. You know, you're not alone. We're going to continue to provide resources to hopefully help us all get to a better place. So one thing that usually can go hand in hand with this is transitions at work. So I'm going to let Abby start the section off with some pretty big news. Yeah, when I think about transitions with work, with one kid, my job was manageable. So I'm in a traveling sales career. 
in non-pandemic times, I'm on an airplane multiple times a month. It takes me away from my family quite a bit. With two kids, it got a lot harder. Yeah. And with three, I can't imagine going back to that type of life. Like it doesn't align with my core values. Like I want my family and I want myself and I want the things that are important to me to shine and being on that type of schedule, there needs to be a transition, which is why after 10 and a half years at my job last month, I put in my resignation at work and it was a big decision. It's one that I thought about. Colin and I talked it over for a really long time. Just you and Colin? Just- <laughs> It was Amy. Amy's been part of this conversation. <laughs> like, I've heard about this for Months. years. Years. Yeah. I mean, it really has been. It's not something that we took lightly. It's not something that just one day I woke up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a change today because these are the types of decisions that they do impact your life. They impact right. your finances. They impact your identity. They impact multiple parts of your life. And I wanted to make sure that I was leaving for the right reasons. But what I was figuring out is that I was staying because I felt safe. Like I was staying because I was scared and I didn't want the reason for me to stay in a career to be out of fear. And having my job, it's been a safety net for me. Like I'm really good at what I do. I'm not afraid to say that. I like the paychecks. I like the schedule. The day-to-day, it feels comfortable. But I also know that we don't grow in the comfortable. Like that is not a place that we can grow and be our best selves. And that same net that saves us, like just think about a net. Think about a net. It actually catches us. It holds on to us. It pulls us down and it makes it impossible for us to move forward in the ways that I was really feeling and in my soul, the person who I wanted to become. So in the last couple of months, in the last couple of years, if I'm really being honest, I felt like I was sleepwalking through my career. Like I was doing the actions to get them done, checking the boxes, and my heart wasn't in it. My heart was outside of it. I was always thinking about my life outside of work when I was there and doing the jobs. And it's a good job. It's a good company. I have incredible people who I work with. But the only reason that it was working is because we were in the middle of a worldwide pandemic and I wasn't traveling. And I know that as soon as we go back to normal, which I hope we do, like I really hope that we do. But as soon as we go back to normal, it's going to be too difficult. So we made the hard decision and a decision that I'm confident in. It's funny because I'm still black and white. Like I've talked on this podcast a million times how I'm black or white. Like this is how it is. This is how it's not. And I've definitely lived more in the gray zone this last year than ever before. But with this decision, I wanted to be 100% sure. Like I wanted to wake up one day and be 100% sure. And I'm not there. And I don't think I'll ever be there. Like I think there's always going to be a part of me that likes that corporate structure, likes that identity that I had. It was an identity for me for over a decade. But Making this leap at 90, 95%, it feels really good. And just the last couple of weeks, I have felt so much more freedom, so much more relief knowing that these next couple of steps are really where my heart's going to be. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch you go through it over the past couple years, last few months especially. And just to give a voice that it was also very, very hard. Like Abby was really emotional about leaving that position. You know, she's got close friends there. She loved her boss. Like it was an emotional piece. And so I just wanted to add that because we like to be really transparent. And I think a lot of times people can glorify all of these kind of things when you read a caption online. But behind the scenes, there can be a little bit more things to work through. So heavy. There was so many components with it. Yeah. And Amy saw firsthand like the tears, all of the talking, all of the time that that this has been. It's been a ton. It's been a lot. It's been really, really heavy. But right now, 
it feels good. And I know it's going to make me a better mom, a better wife, and just help me create more impact on the world in the ways that I want to with having that little bit more space right there. So we wanted to talk about the work transition because every Tuesday, as you guys know, on Instagram, we do a mama community share day. And a lot of the shares have to do with work. It's either the woman that is a stay-at-home mom and she's really feeling pulled like she would like to go back to working outside the home or the opposite, the woman that is in a career and she's feeling so pulled to be at home with her kids. Or another one that we get a lot is that the woman that wants more purpose in her work. So we thought that it was worth it to bring this part of the podcast to you guys because we Mm -hmm. know that a lot of you are going through it. Like I've been through several work transitions and a lot of it had to do with becoming a mom. The first one was I was a floor nurse on a really busy oncology, hematology, bone marrow transplant floor. And although I really loved my job, it's such a special population. And then I loved my coworkers. The schedule was just not something that was working for my family after we had Max. So I decided that I would transition and I was lucky to be able to land a job at the Carbone Cancer Center. I had a set schedule. I had no weekends, no holidays, which is really good in yes, in, in yes. nursing world. And that no is, overnights, right? Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. to do with overnights. And it was still a highly skilled nursing job. It was a clinic, but we did a lot of highly skilled things, which is what I was looking for. As you all know, eventually I did leave that job to do Expecting and Empowered and Herself full time. And as Abby mentioned earlier, and what I've experienced is that I really needed to be aligned with my personal values. And for me, family and quality family time is at the core of that. The pace at which I had to be running to be a nurse at the Carbone Cancer Center, have expecting an empowered start a podcast was just not going to be sustainable. But contrary to other people, I had so much purpose. I had purpose everywhere I went. So it wasn't that I was seeking out purpose. I really felt that I was making an impact at that nursing job, but it was that revisiting my values and quality time with my family. So for me, quality time meant that my mind couldn't be buzzing. I couldn't be pulled to my phone constantly because I didn't have enough hours in the day to do all of those roles. I didn't want to be exhausted and giving my family or my husband all my leftovers. I wanted to be able to shine inside of my family role. And so that was the second transition, the reason I needed to make it is there just simply wasn't enough time for all of the things that I wanted to do. So here's to say, like, if you guys are going through job transitions, we have definitely been there. It's not always easy. I think from where I am today, where I haven't been a nurse for over a year now, the most common question is, "Don't do you miss it? Like, right, do you miss right. it? That answer is going to look different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't have your answer. Mm -hmm. I personally feel great. I loved nursing. It taught me so much about life. I will 
always appreciate it, but I don't miss it. I'm not like, oh, I wish I could just get back in that clinic. <laughs> like, you know, all my friends are still my friends. Mm-hmm. Of course, I miss patient care, but I, I'm not dwelling in like wanting to go back. I feel like I really made a decision that aligned with me and I have felt really, really good in the new role that I am. Well, you made such a good impact while you were there too. And like those memories, they can carry you for, for many, many years to come. Yeah, I've, I left on a good note and I had a great nursing career, something that I definitely could go back to if I ever did get that real pull of like, I want to go back to that. We know that sometimes there's so many factors to account for. So you have to think about money, benefits, amount of family time that whatever your role is allows. Like Abby, she didn't want to travel the way that her role would have had her traveling non-pandemic. You have to consider if you have a partner, what their values and what their opinion is. Like that's why this conversation gets complex so fast because we're all operating like we want, like we always say, like you want to cheat off your friend's play, (laughs) you know, quiz, but It doesn't work that way because we all have different financial situations. We all have different values, which people are afraid to say that. But I'm like, we have different values. So you can't just take my work transition. Like you got to figure out what is my value. Well, it doesn't make your values bad. Like there's thousands of great values out there and all of ours look a little bit different. But when you think about your top five values, your top three values, like does your life reflect those? Like think about it. Does your life reflect those? And sometimes they don't. And that's when a transition is actually needed. And when you think about it, it's it's kind of like, well, my life's not that bad right now. Like, my life's not that bad. But is it that good? Like, let's flip this. Is it that good? Is it what you want out of life? Are you living in a schedule that aligns with what you want, what's important to you, those core values, like we say, and I think it's Alcoholics Anonymous, they refer to it as breakdown, breakthrough. So others refer to it as the great emptying. And what it really means is that in order to fill yourself up with something new, you need to start clearing your life out. Like you need to empty stuff before you fill. Otherwise, you just have this really, really full plate or full cup or full whatever analogy you want to use. And it just keeps on packing on top of it. So what transitions can you make? And think about it. It's not just a job or just with children the transitions in life that you can make to empty a little bit in order to fill up with things that are more aligned with you. We're going to take a quick break from the podcast to talk about our sponsor, which again today is BetterHelp. I know that when Abby was going through these big transitions, it's something that she talked to her therapist a lot about. And your therapist is able to give you certain prompts or help you to talk about like the behind the scenes of these big transitions. They have a lot of experience of helping people through this. And so we're able to not do life alone. Like you can have a professional that is very versed in the changing of seasons of life to help you through it. So again, whether it's a transition into motherhood, whether it's a marriage transition, whatever it is, Know that BetterHelp has people that are experienced in that. If you want to use our discount code, you can go to BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com backslash herself, and you can join over the million people that are using this professional counseling service. 
And thanks for bringing that piece up because those conversations were so valuable, talking with Susan and my therapist about it, having her professional expertise and bringing in the questions I needed to ask myself. Like you think about this as like, oh, only a life coach or only a book or only a podcast can help you get through these transitions. But having a therapist walk you through the exact questions to ask, that was so helpful during the last couple of months here. They kind of open up a closet. Oh my gosh, they do. They do. Oh yeah, I've got a lot under there. Um, I know my therapist has helped me through transitions in my family life that you can think that you're dealing with things fine, but it's like Abby said, like, do we want to be fine or do we want to feel like we're on a path to feeling really good? Right, right. Moving from that surviving to possibly thriving. (laughs) And and like my therapist said too, is you can't always thrive, Amy. (laughs) So like that goes back to our toxic positivity episode of like, you're not 365 days, you can be grateful, but 365 days a year, you're probably not going to feel like you are hitting a home run. You're perfectly aligned. You're living your best life. Like that typically doesn't happen to us, but how can we work to a place where we feel, I think when people, when women feel in alignment with themselves, that is when everything feels better. And that's something that Abby and I have had to work on this past year. Mm -hmm. And the last transition that we want to talk about was the transition back to non-pandemic living. And we don't know what this looks like, but what we do know is that Right now, at least for me, it's been really easy to hold my boundaries. (laughs) I'm just going to say this. It's been so easy because if someone's like, hey, do you want to hang out during the work week or spend this weekend? It's like, nope, pandemic. Like I have very, very strict boundaries. Nope. But we still need to be really confident in our no and yes responses, even as things hopefully slowly start to feel a little bit more like normal. So knowing, again, those core values, what's important to you, not just saying yes out of the feeling of need to help a friend out or to help a family member out, but truly out of your desire to want to be there. And one thing that the pandemic has taught me is who I value in friendships and where I really want to sink more of my time into instead of just spreading it across 20, 30, 40 people, family members, friends, coworkers, people at the grocery store, (laughs) instead of spreading out the love that I have, instead really sinking in and like learning who is going to be on this journey with me forever? Who do I want by my side? Who do I want to grab their hand and bring along with me? And who am I going to reach out to when I need someone else to take my hand? And having those people in my life and sinking into them is something that this pandemic has truly taught me. So just thinking about these transitions, going back into that, I don't want everything to change. Like I don't want everything to go back to normal. And thinking about 2020 and the start of 2021 and how hard it was for many people, I do think it taught us a lot of things as well. Yeah. I Abby has like more friends than I would ever know what to do with. <laughs> like, but when I was talking and we keep talking about our therapists, like we always do. But when I was talking to my therapist, I'm like, you know, I really know who my core people are. Like I know who has my back, who I can depend on, who I feel so supported, loved and encouraged by. And so those people are in my close inner circle. And then it goes out from there where I have other friends whom I love and I cheer for, but it's not, you don't have the same energy to put into every single person. Like that is just a fact. And so I'm very careful with my energy. I understand when to give it and when to conserve it. 
And I think that's something that women have a hard time with mm-hmm. because a lot of women are people pleasers. And mm-hmm. so they always want to make the other person happy. I never want to make someone feel bad, but I also don't want myself to feel bad. Like I don't want myself to say, yes, I can come to that dinner And then what happens to me when it's not in alignment is all week, I'm like, why did I say yes? I really don't want to do that. Like, I really don't want to do that. So now we've had practice. The pandemic has given us practice at saying no, but we had a reason. Mm -hmm. But now we have to step into those no's because we are grown women that can say no to things and know that it's not a reflection of you being mean or you being, you know, whatever that you write that story. So I love that. My therapist was also saying it's a totally different amount of energy, like reintroducing back into social events. And I think on Instagram, it's often made into like a joke or a meme or whatever. A lot of serious things are. That's not bad. I love, I love a joke, (laughs) but when you're re-entering into these situations, like Drew's family, we're very lucky, like Drew's whole immediate family is vaccinated. So we got to bring them back into our lives. And I just thought, I'm like, wow, all the in-law issues you had before are still here. (laughs) Like a year later, they're still going to be right there. For me, I feel very overstimulated because there's just, there's two more toddlers it's a wild and crazy time. There's so much talking, so much of everything. I'm like, wow, I still have to leave and go take this long walk to just refresh and make sure that I get a break in what I need. So just a reminder that those things are still going to be present. Like even though we're excited to get back out there eventually when we can, the overscheduling yourself, the overstimulation with family gatherings like that stuff is still going to be there so what are your coping mechanisms to help you feel good as we enter this next season it's also been a really quiet year like it's felt really quiet so all of a sudden being around people again it can feel really really loud even if it was the same decibel as it always has been it sometimes can be a little bit too much I know that with like my parents for instance who are loud people period (laughs) When whenever I see them, I have to I have to take so many breaks because they're used to being so vocal. And my mom has a job where she's she's been vaccinated for a long time because she's at a nursing home. So she's around people all the time. So she just thinks it's normal life. Where with me, I see Amy. I see Drew once in a while. I see my husband (laughs) and I see doctors. And those are the only human beings that I see. So (laughs) know that the people who might be a little bit louder, just take your breaks Get out when you need to as you transition back into this non-pandemic. Yeah, and I think everyone's going to have different boundaries. Like some people are ripping the Band-Aid off and diving out there. Some of us are taking it slower, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it is okay to have different boundaries. We can't control anyone else's. We still get to say no if it's not in alignment with our boundaries, just an encouragement because this stuff does get complicated. No one's talking about it or like everyone's talking about it, but the two sides I'll say are very strongly opinionated. And we're sitting here just reminding you guys like you get to have your boundaries still and you get to say yes, you get to say no. Like if this pandemic taught you something, let it be that you get to control your side of the 
relationship. You get to set boundaries. You're not a bad person for doing that. Glennon Doyle says it really well, and this isn't her words specifically, but it's okay to disappoint others around you if you're ensuring that you're not disappointing yourself. And I think that this is a really big point to continue with any type of transition, but definitely back into non-pandemic living, whatever that may look like for you. So thanks for being part of the podcast community and letting me share my secret with you. My last day will be April 15th. So you guys are in before the rest of the world knows. That's what we like to do. The Patreon community, they found out even before I talked with my boss. So thank you guys for being there and for the support and just for the encouragement along the way. And with all of these transitions, we just want to offer you guys some encouragement. We know that they can be difficult. They can sometimes be daunting. But if they're made for the right decisions, that's all that matters. 